My name is Emily Stainton. I'm speaking on a raised bill 898. I know this bill was written differently than intended. However, I would like to point out why the language used when writing this bill is detrimental to a patient's treatment and having accurate protections in place is crucial to someone's recovery. One word could determine life-changing decisions. I'm a registered behavioral therapist for children on the autism spectrum disorder, mental health advocate, and a NAMI affiliate, part of America's largest grassroots mental health organization, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. I was diagnosed at 16 with bipolar disorder, but currently undergoing an evaluation for ADHD because I was misdiagnosed for 10 years. When I was 18, I ran away from home because I wanted to end my life. I was suffering from suicidal ideations and self-harm. I had no goals or ambitions and I couldn't see a future for myself and I wanted to give up. I returned home because I was listed on a silver alert where police were less than helpful. I attempted to drop out of high school, but was soon placed in the Institute of Living for two weeks. I had endured treatments that were aversive and unnecessary when more holistic approaches would have been successful. My parents were my biggest advocates to help me navigate my first experience being institutionalized, and they ensured to communicate with my doctors and have them thoroughly explain medications and their side effects, understanding the routines in place for living within a psych ward, but most importantly made frequent phone calls and attended all visiting hours. During these times, my parents' assertiveness to learn about mental illness was was able to have, I was able to have informed consent and make the right decisions for my treatment. The skills I must have to be assertive with my clinicians are lifelong and strategies I still use as an adult. Today, I seek therapy every week and have a team of providers who reassess medications and challenges in my everyday life. I have found a niche for my career that not only aligns with personal goals, but influences the mental health of our future generations as I am a clinician providing impactful services for our children. Connecticut needs to add more protections for patients against forced treatments, especially electroconvulsive therapy, and should never take away an individual's right to obtain a less invasive treatment. The idea that there are very few protections against forced ECT for people who are unable to give consent is terrifying to myself and anyone else who suffers from severe depression. More resources and attention need to be brought to mental health care, such as early intervention for early childhood, connection to mental health resources for young and for youth and young adults, more support and funding for psychiatric beds, increased support for staff for case management, and an increased awareness to mental health in older adults. So much more can be put in place to ensure that the right services can reach people earlier to prevent circumstances from even escalating to a point of ECD, ECT being the only form of treatment that could be effective. I ask that you can support me in protecting patients' rights to due process before being forced to receive electroconvulsive therapy. Thank you for giving me the time and the opportunity to testify here today. Ms. Stain, thank you for your very inspiring testimony, for your wonderful list of suggestions and for your patience in staying here with us throughout the day. And it's been a long day. I very much appreciate. Are there Thank you. questions or comments from the committee? Representative Berger Javala. Thank you, Madam Chair. I just have one comment um, as a former behavior therapist from one to another. I appreciate your perspective on this, but I also want to thank you um, deeply for your very heartfelt and personal um, testimony. Thank you.
Thank you so much.